Welcome to Tales of Moxie. I'm Desiree. And I'm Jenna Lee, and we're your hosts each week. Each week, we interview women to hear their stories, and we address topics that don't usually get talked about so openly. Be ready for honest and raw conversations about all the things we're struggling with as real women. Well, welcome back to Tales of Moxie this week. I know that I had said last week was our last episode, but we had an opportunity come our way that we could not pass up for this season. We got to interview author, speaker, and media personality, Tammy Maltby. She's the author of The God Who Sees You, Life-Giving, Confessions of a Good Christian Girl, and she has some cookbooks as well. She's like the hospitality queen, and I'm telling you guys, this was such a neat opportunity and such a neat episode. So I'm so excited that we could not wait to drop this in January. We had to drop it now. So I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode and I hope that you reach out and tell us what you think. Tammy was fantastic. We loved her. We felt like she was one of our best friends and I know that you're going to feel the same. Welcome welcome to the Tales of Moxie. We are so excited because today we get to talk with Tammy Maltby and I have read the book Confessions of a Good Christian Girl. And if you haven't read it, oh my goodness, this is exactly what this podcast is about. We we finally found an author who really touched home with what we talk about every day on here. Mm -hmm. And she covers all the topics of things that women are afraid to talk about in the Christian world with so much grace and so much passion and honestly combining in the stories of Jesus as well. And she's also the author of The God Who Sees You and that also, I mean, honestly, that's kind of where we're all at right now is wanting to be seen and wanting to be heard and wanting to know that we belong somewhere. And you honestly, Tammy, you touched on it so well in so many different ways. And we are so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for making time for us this morning. I am thrilled. Hey, ladies. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here today with you. We are excited. I would love if you could share a little bit about how you got started in this, because like I said, this is a this is a journey where real women deal with very hard topics. How did you kind of get into this world of starting to talk about the things that no one else was talking about? Oh, well, because I was living them. I think that, that was part of the reality. I was actually having to live those experiences and... Um, and I, I, I was in a place too, where I had had some success in my media world. I had done a national syndicated television show for 10 years, uh, called aspiring women. It was a really amazing, uh, show. We had been syndicated into over 400 countries. The show won a couple Emmys. Um, I was in a place of, of high exposure, especially in the faith-based community. And here I was, in that role, but in my private life, uh, I was dealing with a lot of trauma and loss, and um, I was experiencing things that I had never walked through before and knew very little about uh, divorce, addiction, mental health, um, multiple divorces. I was starting to listen to stories of women who were going through these these horrendous, uh, life-changing experiences. They were women of faith, but they felt isolated and alone because they didn't feel that their stories were being told. And I remember the day that, uh, very clearly remember the day and moment when the Holy Spirit said, Tammy, it's time to start to share your story. And, you know, our stories are very powerful because... God has a big story, right? He's got the big story of everything that's happening from the beginning of time to the end of what we know as time. And our story is just a part of his big story. But I found that as I unveiled my story, the good parts, the bad parts, the my sin, sin done against me, I started to see something happen. And that was truly transformational, that women started to feel seen. They started to say, hey, you know what? I'm not the only one who has struggled with depression or a child that has struggled with addiction for years. Or I'm not the only one that has gone through domestic abuse. I'm not the only one who has been divorced, maybe more than once. I'm not that... I am not that different than so many of the other good Christian girls out there 
um, that have been afraid to tell their stories. And so that's how I started in the journey, was actually coming to terms with the power of my own story. And as I was vulnerable enough uh, and, and pressed past the fear of judgment, that I could be actually a tool of healing, hope, comfort, and care to other women. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm thinking, I love how you said vulnerable because I, I read somewhere that being transparent is being able to share the struggles that we've, we've dealt with in the past that we feel like the book is already closed on and that mm-hmm. being vulnerable is being able to share the struggles we're dealing with right now. Yes. And that, that it hardly happens. I feel like that's something that we really work on. And I, Desiree and I both like think, you know, we try to be very vulnerable, but it's harder than it sounds. Yes. (laughs) It's definitely harder than it sounds. And I think it's such a, um, intentional work. Mm. Uh, it's such an intentional daily work as we unveil ourselves we really do reveal Christ. And part of, um, I love what you said. It's, it's one thing to talk about what happened to you 20 years ago. It's another thing to say, you know, it's not all zipped up. Mm-hmm. It's not all zipped up. I, I still uh, am dealing with significant issues of the fallout of my divorce. Um, I was with my husband for about 25 years, four kids. I now have seven grandsons. Uh, entered into this world of addiction that I knew very little about. Um, And because I was married to a person that was struggling significantly with that issue, um, ended up being what uh, ended our marriage over a long, long period of time. And then my daughter falling into the issue of addiction and Mm. thinking that, you know, once I was divorced, I could move away from that situation that I would never have to deal with it again, which is absolutely not true. And so I ended up moving into another part of my story with my daughter, who has struggled with addiction and mental health for 10 years. And she's still in the battle, and I'm still in the battle. But what I've learned is that it is okay to say that you're still in the battle. It doesn't mean that God's God's uh, delay is not his denial. Mm. His delay is not his de- denial. And though though at times his delay feels so ridiculously painful mm-hmm. and so ridiculous. You know, I call it the valley of in-between. Mm-hmm. The season of your life where God gave you a promise that he would restore your life. He would make everything that was turned against you, everything was painful, everything that was horrendous, the sin done against you, maybe from the time you were a very small child, that his hope and promise to you is that he will restore those things to you. The promise that he will, you know, bring you a healthy marriage. He will bring you a child. He will bring you out of financial devastation. He will bring you into health. He will stabilize your mind. He will give you freedom from this addiction. Whatever that promise is that he gave to you, and in the light, we start to doubt it in the dark. We get into the in-between, between the promise and the restoration. And we say, you know, I've been waiting a long time, God, for you to bring this to pass. And we get discouraged. We start taking what we have in our own hand and uh, we start to manipulate those things. And what we find And I love this story of Abraham and and Sarah in the Bible. We know that story, that God gave them a promise that they would have a child later in, you know, way later in years, which to me doesn't sound like good news. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. I'm like, I don't want that promise very much. But um, later in years, they were going to have a son. And, of course, he was going to go on to uh, be the father of thousands and tens, tens of thousands of generations and So, Sarah, uh, this promise took 25 years, ladies, Mm -hmm. 25 years from the time God gave it to the fulfillment of that promise. And about halfway through the 10-year mark, Sarah got tired of waiting on God. 
she got tired. She she said, you know, perhaps, and that word is so amazing. As as women, when we look at our lives, if we take that word, she says, perhaps I can take Hagar and I can bring God's promises to pass. Mm. Perhaps I can figure out how to do it. And perhaps God's just withholding this child from me. And so she looks around what she has in her own hand and she has Hagar. And she takes Hagar and she said, I'm going to fix this. And so we know that the rest of the story, Hagar, um, she becomes pregnant with Abraham's son. Uh, It becomes a devastating situation. Sarah starts to resent Hagar. She starts to resent her husband. She gets angry. We know that Hagar, the, the division between her son and Sarah's son is still being lived out, you know, all these years later in the Middle East. And we see that she tried to push the timing of God. Now, what's fascinating about this to me in, in its biggest sense is that she, she, even in that, even in those moments of impetuous I'm going to fix this because God's not doing it for me. God still fulfilled the promise to both of them. Though she had to live all these years with so much more angst. And I think for women, we can identify with that. Mm -hmm. I think we can look at that and say, I want out of this pain. I want out of this situation. I've been in pain too long. I've been waiting too long. And so we start to manipulate circumstances and people, and we make a mess out of it. And it's at that point, I want to encourage women. You, you, God is still on the throne. He is still faithful. His delay is not his denial. Trust him. Trust him in that valley of in-between, in the winter season of your life. And uh, so th- those are the stories as you talk about vulnerability. That's, you know, the women in the Bible, they're vulnerable women. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are yeah. vulnerable mm-hmm. women. It's all out there for people to see. And I think there's beauty and truth in that as women, as we tell our stories of the struggle of the in-between. Mm-hmm. It gives other women hope and strength to stay on track, to stay in the journey, to stay present in their story, and to not give up. Mm. That's so beautiful. I, I mean, we've all, we can all relate to struggling in the in-between and, and I mean, I've manipulated many situations myself because I just felt like it wasn't happening fast enough and it wasn't maybe a month, (laughs) Um, but, but I, I'm listening to that and I'm just thinking like, so what do we, when we're in those in-between moments, how, how can we find the peace when we are feeling like this isn't happening. Like maybe we're starting to feel like we can't trust God with this promise, even though we, we know, but we don't feel it. How, how do we make that connection between believing, like knowing and feeling it? Such a great question. It's such a great question because that's where, as we say, the rubber meets the road. Mm -hmm. It's, it's in the time where the emotion, we're flooded with emotion. We're flooded with oftentimes despair Mm -hmm. Uh, we're flooded with the circumstances around us the things that are real that we are looking at and we're saying but God are you paying attention to what I see do you see what I see and it is in those moments for me that I have to go back in a couple of things one I need to remember the ways that God has delivered me in the past I need to recall them. I need to be present in those remembrances of how God was faithful to me, how he did deliver me, that he did restore areas of my life, that I have to go back and remind myself, you know, the stones of remembrance. Um, That's from the Old Testament where God had the Israelites, every place that they went, they built an altar of the stones of remembrance that God was faithful here and God was faithful here and God was faithful here and he will do it again. Mm -hmm. And so it's washing our mind, renewing our mind, 
one of the things that I see so much in speaking and traveling and working with women for 25 years, maybe even more so now than I ever have, is the spirit of fear upon women, mm-hmm. that that fear is engulfing them, that they are so incredibly fearful. And if you look at the world, yeah, well, there's a lot to be fearful of. This world is crazy. and But when we walk with God, when we truly understand his love for us, the fullness of his love for us, the fullness of his love for us, when we wash ourselves um, with the love of God, knowing that no matter what happens around us, we are fully loved, fully seen. Now, I was reading the other day in scripture when it talks about fear, and it says in First John 4, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear has torment, and he that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so I have to identify times when I have natural fear over circumstances that are Mm -hmm. legitimate. And when a spirit of torment comes on me, Mm -hmm. then I have to renew my mind. I have to remember, this is not of God. The torment that I feel that I'll never be married again, or I'll never have financial stability, or I'll never have a child, or I'll never be released from, you know, this physical illness or this abuse that I'm walking through, that I... That, that produces torment in us. That is not of God. So we have to basically remove the torment out of our life by entering into the fullness of God's love for us. So I think we have to remember what God's brought us through. We have to remember his great love for us, the fullness of his love. Because, ladies, when we are fearless, this is huge. When we are fearless, we are unstoppable. Mm. When we are fearless over loss, when we are fearless over people's judgment, when we are fearless over our reputation, we are unstoppable in the kingdom of God. And so God is faithful to continue to bring us to that place of fearlessness. Why? Because we have a loving God who sees everything, knows everything. He knows your history. He knows your present. He knows your future. He's got you in the palm of his hands. And you must renew your mind. You must read the word of God. You must wash your mind with what God says about you and not what the world says about you, not even what you say about you. But what does God say about you and your future and your hope? And sometimes you have to get on your face, Mm -hmm. literally, before God and say, you've got to renew, renew in my mind that you are in control, that you love me, that you will bring all things together for good in this winter desert season of my life. I also want to add this. It's very fascinating when you read in scripture about the desert experiences of our lives, that always it is a picture of God placing someone in the desert. We don't get to the desert in a random way. God moves us into a desert experience. He moves us where where we we are isolated from all the things that feel good to us, that are normal to us. All the things that we run to, our addictions, our, our traumas, our pain, or whatever it is that we go to to help anesthetize our pain. When we are in the desert, it is us and it is God. Mm-hmm. And he says in Hosea that I have brought you to the wilderness I have brought you to the wilderness, and I will woo you with my love. I will woo you with my love, and I will bring you back out. And in that season of waiting, in that season of desert, where everything feels barren and lost, God is wooing you. He's got your attention, and he will bring you back out. But in that season, that wilderness winter season, You know, I live in Colorado, 
And I, in fact, today we just had a downpour of snow. I wish you could see what I see. I'm looking at the Rocky Mountains. It's absolutely Mm. beautiful. But one of the things is in the winter, I'm looking outside and all my big, beautiful trees are barren. All the leaves have dropped. And in the summer, all of it is lush and it's gorgeous. But in the summer, I can't see the view of Pikes Peak like I can see today. Because in the winter, everything gets cleared out and your depth of field is further. You see further. You see more. You see the full landscape of what God is doing. So I believe in those seasons of our lives as winter, God is wooing us. He is teaching us. He is showing a bigger vision for what he has for our lives. Yes, it feels barren. Nobody wants, I want the beautiful opulent flower garden. I don't want the barren. Mm -hmm. But it is in that season that God reveals himself to you so you can in turn learn to be transparent with confidence about your story and what God is writing about you. Mm. I love that. I have, I have so many things running through my head, but one of the things that keeps like coming to the front is I feel like we cannot experience that growth and that transformation in the in-between period unless we actually take the time to stop and experience the in-between. Because I feel like, I, I mean, for myself as a woman, you know, busy is, seems to be a badge of honor nowadays. So I, I don't necessarily stop, even though I know that I'm in a waiting period with God, I don't necessarily stop and let myself experience it maybe the way that I should. Mm. I, I get and caught up. <clears throat> yes. And that, that is a discipline. That is a discipline. That's an intentional decision to be still and to wait on God and to trust him means to be still. I, you know, we know the verse that says, be still and know God. Mm-hmm. And I love to reverse that. I love to say, don't be still. Don't know God. Mm. If you are not still, you will not hear the voice of God. We, we are in a clatter, ch- you know, chatty Facebook, uh, Instagram, mm-hmm. all of it. And I'm a part of all of that. Mm-hmm. So it's the enemy is not necessarily that it's the clatter. It's the, ch- it's all the noise mm-hmm. that steals the stillness of God. And that when he places you in that desert, it is for a season and it is to woo you. And it is for you to understand that there is something very beautiful about waiting on God, waiting mm-hmm. on his promise, waiting on his fulfillment. But you cannot do that with confidence if you do not know who God is. Mm-hmm. You can't do it. And so you run to those short-term gratifications, those things, you know, the impatience of fulfilling that dream. But I always, I have seen this so much in my life. I have seen it in other women's life, that short-term You know, that short-term gratification, that impatience always leads to long-term resentment Mm -hmm. and regret. We get to those places like, why didn't I wait? Mm. Why did I try to take what was in my hand and instantly gratify getting out of this pain instead of waiting on God, waiting, Mm. exercising my patience so I don't live with resentment? I don't live with regret, but I am a, wom- a woman, a life-giving woman who is living an intentional life to become more and more like Christ and trusting the in-between, the desert, the quiet, that he will speak to me. He mm-hmm. will. He will speak to you. Yeah, that's beautiful. I- I'm wondering, I know that it's, it's between us and God and that in-between, but is there a part that community plays in this at all is there a part that um, other people can step into the waiting with us or or is that or is that not a thing (laughs) such a great question in fact I think you know again there's no absolutes to the story God is writing for each individual person but community has played such a massive part of my recovery Community has been the alpha and omega of my recovery in many ways of what I've uh, walked through. And 
it's very important to understand your the season and timing of your community. It's very important mm-hmm. to understand that the people that may walk you through the, the valley of in-between or the desert of your life most likely will not be the, the people that will walk through the summer seasons with you. Mm. They are people that probably have been tested in very similar ways than you have. <clears throat> you know, before I went through the um, chaos of what and you know happened in my life, which I've written about um, pretty openly. Uh, in fact, when I wrote Confessions of a Good Christian Girl and The God Who Sees You, I remember writing it thinking, okay, it's one thing to tell the story. It's another thing to put it in print where my great, great, great grandchildren <laughs> will be able to read it, you yeah. know? <clears throat> but I, the, the Holy Spirit came to me in writing that and said to me, I am going to be taking people out of your life. I am going to be removing the community that you have around you right now. And I'm going to be replacing that community with people that can run with you, mm. people that can sit with you, people that can weep with you. And I was like, no, don't. I like, I want this community. I love these people. I feel like I know, you know, it was just this, like, I can't deal with one more loss. Don't take somebody, don't take these friends <clears throat> away from me. And, and yet what I found was as these people, God did start removing those people from my life. And he told me ahead of time that this would happen. Not all of them, but there were specific relationships. God said those relationships were for a time and a season. And the time and the season is changing. Mm. And you must understand that I am bringing people that can walk with you at a much deeper level. But you have to trust me with this process. And as hard as that was, because I had lost a long-term marriage I had lost my home. I had lost my finances. Uh, and, and I was doing a national syndicated television show at the time. So it was like I was living it so ridiculously, painfully public mm. um, <clears throat> that I, I just, all I wanted to do was just like go, you know, bury myself in a hole, go in a corner and just like, I don't want to have to deal with my life anymore. It's just, this is not the life I signed up for. This is not the way I thought my life would look. And yeah, God brought a community of people that had walked similar stories, like the two of you. Even before we had this interview, I asked how the two of you met. And you told me through your uh, life circumstances, God brought you friendship. He brought you other women who could link arms with you on a deeper level. So I think community is very important, but I also think we have to understand that God may change what your community looks like when you are walking through these, um, these valleys, these barren times and don't resent it, embrace it, understand that it's for a season and a time. Mm. Uh, it's, it's funny and not to get all personal here, but I'm, I'm going through a very similar time right now where I'm losing a mentor that I've had for probably six years now. Um, and it's been a such a struggle for me in the last couple months or the last couple weeks of finding out of this, this is happening and it feels like such a loss. But it was interesting because I was just praying the other night about it and I was thinking like, but in a way, I've now had to change my perspective and rely on on God and Jesus in this time more than I probably have in the last year because now it is just me and him for a period and trusting like you just said that other people are going to come into my life and I don't know what that looks like yet um but then again trying not to like you said before with Sarah manipulate the situation and just see who that is as it happens which is a struggle a struggle for me and it's interesting because one of the things that we, we had kind of said before this is we would talk a little bit about friendship and I'm, I'm, when you said that all of my deep friendships, I think have come out of my wilderness times or my valleys. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. the times that I thought I didn't know what was going to happen, or I was just scared to actually tell who I was and what was actually happening and happening in my life. That's when all of my deepest friendships kind of emerged And I I get asked so much, I think both of us do, we get asked a lot, we get told by women, you know, well, how do you make 
how do you make deep friendships with other women? It seems like everything is superficial and just the, the top level and nothing gets below to anything deeper. And I'm listening to this thinking like maybe that's the time is just trusting that maybe friendships change and come and go as we please and as you know as God wants them to and seeing some friendships might emerge out of things that we didn't think would ever bring good. Yes. You know, I use the illustration. I'm such a visual person that I love to see pictures of things that help me understand deeper spiritual concepts. And I talk about women and friendships of women. And I actually wrote a lot about that in my book, Life Giving, which was the very first book I wrote. But I've always had strong female friendships. I've always realized, to be honest with you, women were my, you know, women are women's greatest um, gift. Uh, We are advocates and uh, we are, women are women's greatest resources. Truly, that is, Mm. I see that over and over in my life. But I also, because I'm 58 and I've lived some life and I've had a lot of female friendships, I love this word picture. That I see women, you know, I I used to believe that the friends I had would become, they were the perennials of my life. You know, they'd come back over and over, season after season after season. But I've really learned that some are annuals. They're Mm -hmm. the big burst of color. They're the big, beautiful thing that we put at the front of our garden at the beginning of the season. Because annuals have a big flash, but they don't have staying power. Mm-hmm. And when it gets cold and the seasons change, the annuals all die. Mm-hmm. But the perennials go into hibernation, but they come back. And not only do they come back, but they come back stronger and stronger, and they multiply and they multiply. Mm-hmm. So we have the annual friendships, we have the perennial friendships, and then we have what I call the oak of our the oak women of our lives. That they are deep, the roots go deep, they go long. They last our entire, you know, many, many, many seasons of our lives. And they are the oak women of our lives. And and so I think looking at friendship that way, understanding that some people are going to be river of life friends for you. You know, I if you picture a big, long river, that's your life, your life story. And the very beginning of that river is your birth. And the very end is your death. And that there are women and relationships that are going to jump into your life at different parts of your river. So the friends that you had when you were little or high school or college, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And some of those women are going to jump in when you were young. I have a friend that I've had her friend since I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And so she has been this huge river of life friend for me. But I've also had friends who jumped in in my 20s. And they jumped out in my 30s. Mm. And I have friends who jumped in in my 30s, and they're still part of my life in my 50s. So we have to understand that there are seasons to friendships with women. And not to feel so much lament when that ends, when that relationship ends. Um, To celebrate the good of that relationship. To understand that they came into your life for a season. And though it can be very painful when they leave or when you make a decision to leave that relationship, that that God brought that person for that season at that time. And he will bring you another friendship for the new season that you're in. And to to celebrate those women that carried you, uh, to understand that they had a season in a place and not to dis, you know despair in that, not to see the women as betraying you. Because I think that's where we go as women. Mm-hmm. I feel betrayed. I feel overseen. I feel under, you know, underseen, mm-hmm. overlooked. Instead, instead, renew your mind a little bit with that and understand they're human people. They're women with clay feet. They're humans just like you and I. And they have failures. They have strength. And celebrate God for the season that they were in your life. And then look forward to the new relationships. Make room for the new relationships that women can bring and relationships can bring into your life in the season you're at today. Mm. So what do you think the, one of the things that we get told the most is that it's for some reason difficult for women to start those relationships. 
How do you think, especially when I was reading your book, I was really thinking like, I, I think a big part of it is that we're not vulnerable enough and we don't share enough of what actually is going on. So we don't feel that deep connection because how can we, when the actual truths of our life aren't being shared? Um, but how do you think that we can kind of start that when we have lost those friends and we're moving on to a new season and we're trusting God to bring it, but what part do we play in that as well? Such a great question. I think that we need to make the decision to be women that are comfortable in the gray of other people's lives. Mm. I think we need to be women that are comfortable in the gray of our own life. That our job is not to fix other women. And our job, our, our understanding is that women will not fix us. That we are to be, we are to be women that embrace the stories without judgment, without judgment, mm-hmm. without withholding the stories of other women's lives. It's very, very easy for us to look at the external situation a woman is in and say, "Well, that would I would have never have done that. That mm-hmm. would never ha- have happened to me." Mm-hmm. We quickly make judgments. We quickly. It's amazing to me how quick. The mind moves into judgment. Mm-hmm. It, it happens in a split second when someone is sharing their story with us. And it usually moves to a place where we compare our strength against their weakness. Mm-hmm. Or we compare our weakness against their strength and we feel lacking. So I think we have to make a decision to understand that there will be a lot of circumstances that are great to us. It's not up to us to convict our friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not up to us to show our friend all the areas of her life that are not submitted to God. It is our role as a friend to come alongside her, to link arms with her, to love her. And when and when we have prayed for her, we know the names of her children, we've walked with her, <clears throat> I believe we have permission then to ask the question, would you like to know what I think about that? Hmm. And then shut up. <laughs> yeah. Wait, you know, wait for an answer. Sometimes we want to just force <laughs> our opinion in a relationship or we want to force an agenda yeah. instead of waiting and saying maybe she's not even ready for that Mm -hmm. and so asking the question would you like to know how I feel about that would you like to know what my thoughts are on that and it's okay if you say no and when you become a woman like that when you become a friend like that you attract other women like you know in the masses because they feel heard they feel understood they don't feel judged they feel accepted they, they are more mm-hmm. willing to hear what you have to say to them because you're in a posture of humility, knowing mm-hmm. that your, you know, I use choice words, but the stuff in your life is just as toxic mm-hmm. as what you see in hers. Yes. So you, you enter into it understanding that you are a sinner saved by grace, just like everybody else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> your stuff stinks just like everybody else <laughs> i mean i'm sorry to use that illustration, amen but, it's true. <laughs> yes. but if you don't get real about it you're always you're always in a position of posturing am i better than her am i worse than mm-hmm. her did i make a better decision than her did i make a worse decision than her yeah you know we're always posturing instead of presenting ourselves as women who need just as much mercy mm-hmm just as much grace, that at the end of the day, ladies, I am going to fall into mercy. Mm-hmm. I am going to fall into it. I'm going to dive deep into it because I know I need it. And so putting that out there for women and being a woman that chooses not to walk in judgment and criticism, but be a woman that chooses to walk in love and patience with other women mm-hmm. and when the timing is right and the relationship that you earn the right earn yes. the right to have an opinion about someone means you know what color of carpet they have <laughs> you know what their name you know yeah. you know what the name of their kids are mm-hmm. you know what you, that you know that some of their financial stress or you know 
what their marriage may actually really be like. You may really know the fact that their husband has been struggling with pornography for years. Mm-hmm. You know the real stuff. Then, in that place, we can ask, would you like to know what I think about that? And we become these truly life-giving women, women of hope, women of life, friendships. And, you know, don't, you lead the way. Don't wait for somebody to be that to you. Mm-hmm. That's what I hear from women all the time. Well, I don't have a friend like that. Well, then you be her. Yes. You be the woman you wish somebody else would have been to you. You be the friend that somebody else that you wish that woman would have been to you. What was meaningful to you, trust me, will be meaningful to another woman. You mm-hmm. be her. You choose to be her. And I think when you start seeding into good soil and seeding these principles, you start developing very strong friendships with women where you do not need to judge them, mm-hmm. but rather you come alongside them and you love them and you walk with them. And you understand that much of life is very gray. Mm-hmm. And God is very alive in the gray. What he does is he is the one. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes. The Holy Spirit is the one who does the work. Our job is to love one another. Mm-hmm. To really love and see women. See them. Really get it. Mm-hmm. See what they're walking through. Yeah, maybe you haven't experienced it. But you know what it's like to feel shame. Mm -hmm. You know what it's like to feel rejected. You know what it's like to not feel like you're ever enough. Mm -hmm. We all do. Remind yourself that they are human, just like you, desperately in need of grace and mercy. Yes. Yes, I love one of my, and it's not a woman friendship, but one of my favorite friendships in the Bible is Jonathan and David. And just how, yes. how, like that whole friendship was not, our, our pastor has said at one time, have you ever stopped to think that maybe you're not the main character of this story? Mm, and so good. And that stuck with me so much because even in my friendships, I think like with Jonathan and David, like Jonathan knew he wasn't the main character, but he was going to be the best supporting character that he could be. And mm. That to me is beautiful. Just thinking of the friendships that I have in my life of like, you know what? This is their story. How can I be the best supporting character that I can be in it? You know? Oh, oh, girl, that preaches. That is so good. (laughs) It it is. And it was that literally when he shared that line, that one line, I was like, I even brought, I took it into my marriage thinking like, maybe he's the main character of this story. How can I be supporting to him? And it's something though in friendships that I love because thinking of Jonathan laying down his armor and saying like, this is for you. This is yours. I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to be vulnerable and not expect anything back. And then what did it say? It says that they like shared souls. It wasn't just just you know a superficial friendship it was their souls had connected at that point yeah but we don't we don't run into that the same kind of way and I think a lot of times like you said we judge and we also expect if I'm going to give this much then I better get something in return Mm -hmm. and and we miss out that maybe it's not that they don't want to give us something maybe they don't have anything to give right now yeah yeah very true we forget that very insightful very insightful because it's very insightful when we enter another person's world but we don't ask them to come into ours we go into theirs we understand that they're living a story a drama that is very very much their story and again just what you said i think is absolutely beautiful you may be that supporting person and you may be that supporting person for that season of their life Mm. and understand that you know we live on planet earth everything we understand here on earth is temporary except for our relationship with god and the souls and the people that will live forever but everything else will go will will wash away and what we invest in the lives of other people in their story helping them to become more like christ encouraging them in the journey to be the hands and feet of Christ, Mm. to be his mouthpiece, to be salt, to be light, to be bearers of reconciliation in this earth. That to me is who we've been called to be as women. Mm. And we can't do that unless we learn to unveil ourselves, 
to reveal Christ unless we learn to be comfortable in our own humanness, mm-hmm. our own skin, our own failure, our own shame, our own ways that we have hurt and sinned against other people and not measured up. See, it's easy to talk about how people haven't done that for me, mm-hmm. but I haven't done it for others. Yeah. I have not done it for others, and I am equally as guilty. We're all in this story of life and this drama being played out in the big story of God. And whatever your story is and wherever you are, whether you're in the desert experience, the winter season, whether you're in the waiting middle way, you're right smack in the middle. It seems like that's always when we get so impatient for the, the, the promise to be fulfilled. But wherever you are and whatever people are walking with you in this season, God is with you. He is wanting to create something inside of you that is like him, that loves like him, that represents him to a world that is desperate for reconciliation and hope. And so whatever your story is, wherever you are, that's where hope is because God is at work. Mm. He is doing something. You know, just go through just go through the stories of the Bible and, and look up the people who have waited on God. Mm. You know, how many years and how long and what the travail, what, whether they're waiting for a supernatural miracle, whether they're waiting for a good female friendship, whether they're waiting for a marriage or a child or healing. God is in the midst of all of it. And mm. that's our hope. That is so our hope that he is turning all things together for our good. Yes. I don't even, there's nothing more to add to that. That's, and that's incredible. Thank you, man. Is there anything Desiree that you wanted to, to ask or throw in here at the end? I, I've just been soaking it all in. I mean, it's all like, it's an, it's an amazing conversation and perspective from you, Tammy. And I appreciate the knowledge you bring and just like the the openness and the community that we all crave and I very much agree with what you're saying is we have to be intentional about doing these things and not only that being secure and humble and coming with humility into these relationships saying I'm no better than anyone else the only thing that I've done is I've accepted and I'm not, I don't have the fear of the judgment. Like you were saying, I don't come into this relationship with fear. I'm coming into it with love. And that's what I want to give to you. And Mm -hmm. just being intentional about what relationships you want with women and how you want that to look like. And the door's not going to open unless you are intentional about opening it and coming into the situation and, saying I'm here for you and just like Jenny Lee was saying offering yourself even if you like are understanding that you're not going to get anything back maybe they're not in the position or maybe they won't ever give anything back but just coming in and loving the women around us and not judging them right off the bat I think that since I have that relationship with Jenny Lee, like that's why we are so close and that has played a big role in me developing and coming closer to Christ because he's put generally in my life as this such a positive person that's not judging me and that makes me feel just loved in every way and before I didn't have that so I mean it's just the father showing his love through the people around me and it's given me that like want inside me to be that for other women too Mm -hmm. but it does come from a place of knowing I'm not better than anyone I stopped comparing myself when I gave everything to God and I fell on my face and I said I don't have anything left I'm yours like do do what you want with me like I have nothing so since that I've just been so open and non-judgmental to women and saying, I think maybe thinking I have never been in that situation, but thinking that instead of, Oh, I would have never made that decision, you know, just coming like, I I can't relate, but I'm here to support in any way I can. Mm -hmm. 
that's awesome. That's awesome. And and you two women are that voice. And I just want to affirm that. I want to affirm who you are. I, I love the format. I love the program that you've created. I love that you're beaming out hope. And, um, and there are a lot of women that are desperate for hope. Mm-hmm. And I have been desperate for hope many seasons of my life. But I just want to maybe conclude our, our time, this wonderful time that we've had together with one final verse. And it's in John 6. And it says, this is Simon Peter, and, uh, you know, towards Jesus' encounter with Simon Peter. And Simon, we know that he was this impetuous Mm -hmm. running here and there and always trying to get his needs fulfilled and Mm -hmm. always, you know, spouting off, saying things he shouldn't say, doing things he shouldn't do. But in this very intimate moment between Simon Peter and Jesus, um, Jesus is making conversation with him about himself being, you know, Christ, uh, the Savior. And and Simon says, but Lord, to whom will we go? Where would we go? You are the words of eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that resonates with me because at the end of the day, no matter what anybody says to us, no, what, no matter the sin done against us, where are we going to go? Where are we going to run to? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to be able to heal our hearts. Nobody's going to be able to zip us and sew us all back up together. God is the only one mm-hmm. that can heal us, that can give us perspective, that, that will love us in the deepest level that we need and we long to be loved. People will always fail us. But as Lord, at the end of the day, when everybody may fail me, And I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel full of shame. I feel full of regret. I am terrified at my future. Mm. Where am I going to go? It's to God alone. Mm. You run to him because he is the life that is true life. He is the one that can take the worst, hardest, broken, I call them compost experiences of our lives. And he can turn it into the dirt of your life, into soil, and create the most beautiful garden through the experiences of our lives. But we have to run to him because there's no place else, ladies, to go. Mm. There's no place. He is the life that is true life. It's him. Mm. That's beautiful. That's a perfect way to end. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You're welcome. God bless you, ladies, and God bless all the beautiful women that are listening to our podcast today. And um, this has been really, really enjoyable. I'm so proud of both you. God bless you, and please keep in touch. Thank you so much. And, you know, we we really enjoyed our time. I love, I follow you on Instagram, and I encourage our listeners to follow you because you give so much encouragement. And I, you know, one of the things that I try to try to do in my life is if I am going to use social media, I follow people who point me back to him and you're so good at that so I I encourage our listeners to find you and to reach out to you um, and just just to follow you and your journey because you're very inspiring and very encouraging and we're very thankful for the spot and the voice that you have in the Christian circle so thank you so much for taking the time and for just being willing to talk about so many different things with us it really was a blessing to us Mm -hmm. and to me too and to me too Thank you so much, ladies. Well, God bless you, and we'll be in touch soon. Okay, thank you, Tammy. You're welcome. Bye.